well, I don't know if it was meant to, it wasn't meant to be a sigh. I don't know what that was, okay. an exhale okay. of something. Definitely not a sigh because I'm excited about future leaders. Okay. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. So hopefully that's, uh, you're okay talking about that today, Lee, because that's where my line of questioning is going to go. <laughs> I'll give it my best shot, Karen. Give it your best shot. You're I'm never an expert today. in everything. Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Wave from Lee. How are you, Lee? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing this. I'm not going to be. I felt like I've been out of practice the last couple of ep- episodes and slightly having some existential crisis within as we've talked. So oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm... this sounds terrible, but you're on it now. <laughs> you've, you've focused. You're ready for it. I felt a bit rusty myself, I've got to be honest. And I'm like, don't know why because we're just having a chat like we always do we just happen to be recording it for the podcast so I'm not really sure what's going on there we're just out of practice it's because we've done our own and we've been talking to ourselves and other people and we've not not got back in the swing yet of talking to each other but hopefully we don't sound too rusty and out of practice to the listeners um I've got to make a disclaimer I have a neighbor who uh is appears to be doing something with wood and there's a (laughs) I was about to say there's a sort of random uh on and off uh buzzing high-pitched buzzing sound that's happening so if you can hear that listeners I'm very sorry it's my neighbor's wood it's nothing to do with me (laughs) uh and uh but I just thought I'd apologize for that in case it's off-putting for anybody and particularly off-putting for you Lee so just throwing it out there so you know it's very divine comedy there (laughs) I guess something about the woodshed. Something's the woodshed, happening out yeah. in the woodshed. Um, Again, another nineties niche <laughs> reference there. For, yeah. For our... <laughs> if any listeners get that reference, please do let us know on the socials or drop us an email. Um, and of course, do uh, do use all of those methods and more to get in touch with us because we'd love to hear what you're thinking of this series, this episode. If there's stuff you want us to talk about into the future, you can get in touch via our socials. You can drop us an email. You can even engage with us over in our Substack community, which is very exciting. And yeah, I don't know why I feel I take a lot of comfort from the Substack community. So I'm hoping uh, some of our listeners uh, will join us over there as we go through the series. Um, and of course, we would love it if you if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on your favourite podcast platform, if you could uh, do whatever you do to make sure these episodes are always first and foremost dropping in every week when they land uh, so you don't miss any. And we'd also love a rating or a review. Does that sound like enough at this point to keep people busy? Yeah. Have you mentioned YouTube? We're on YouTube. We're on YouTube. Come on, watch us if you want. Although I have to say, uh, I don't know whether it's my image of you, but I think you might have smudged your lipstick a little <gasps> no, bit. No, stop. Where, where, where? At the bottom, the other side, other side. There we go. That's, that's better. better. See? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I didn't tell you in whatever episode it was where you had bad hair because I didn't even notice. 
but you noticed my <laughs> lipstick, so thank you. That's the sign of a of a true friend there. It's the whole <laughs> lipstick on your teeth thing. Thank you. Uh, so that's improved things for our YouTube viewers. Uh, podcast listeners don't care at all. So no. um, on that note, shall we crack on um, and get on into the meat of this episode, which... Uh, I wanted us to talk about future leaders. And when I say future... <laughs> you said that with such a sigh. No, did I? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I don't know if it was meant to... It wasn't meant to be a sigh. I don't know what that was. Okay. An exhale okay. of something. Definitely not a sigh because I'm excited about future leaders. Okay. And Good. we have talked before about leadership development in lots of different forms throughout um, how to take the lead. And we even had a whole episode on what organisations can do to help to develop leaders. Um, and of course, what leaders can do to do that. But um, I didn't think we'd really focused on actually how you start to identify leaders uh, for the future. And it's something that I love doing, particularly in the communication space. But also just a bit about like, how do you build that pipeline or succession plan or whatever you want to call it in terms of kind of future leaders and leadership for your organisation. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. So hopefully that's uh, you're okay talking about that today, because that's where my line of questioning is going to go. <laughs> I'll give it my best shot. Carry give on. it your best shot. You're I'm never an expert today. in everything, so um, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, uh, get, we'll get we'll get an answer whether it's the best answer. <laughs> you are you are the go-to guru on all things leadership, please. So um, look at the face again. <laughs> listeners can't see that face, but uh, viewers can on YouTube. Um, so I'm just going to get straight in there to say. Does this all start from the point of recruitment? So are we considering when we are in our leadership positions, how we are actually recruiting leaders for the future? And that might mean us personally, but it might mean our organisations as well. And we've had conversations this series about not every leader is in a hierarchical position of leadership but that doesn't mean that they don't have potential to be leaders in your organization so I would just be interested to know your views on kind of are, are we recruiting in the right way to to pick out our leaders of the future so there's two different ways there's almost two questions in that isn't there there's the is is recruitment how we find our future leaders and then the other question is, are we recruiting in the right way to find our future leaders? So I'll kind of try and tackle both, if, if I may. Um. <laughs> yes, you may. I give you permission. <laughs> that was super polite of you. Normally you just roll straight on in there with whatever you think. So I think recruitment is part of it because absolutely organizationally you need to make sure you've got the right people serving in your organization to begin with but whether you you recruit with the mindset of is this a future leader is the questionable bit so i think you need to recruit the right type of people for your organization where you are and where you want to get to in the future but aside from that there is the question around recruiting leaders if i could park that bit for a second yes, because please i do. also want to caveat that I don't think the focus of identifying future leaders can just be to look from the outside. And a lot of people do tend to, and I'm certainly guilty of this in the past, that short term thinking we've got a gap we need to fill rather than investing 
Oh, yes, time we'll, and come, thought into we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that for sure. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of people that will think, oh, we need to in, in recruit leaders from the outside and bring something new and fresh in from the outside. Um, so I think it's a really nuanced, as, as all of these conversations around leadership are, it is very nuanced. You need the right person for the role and for the organisation. Um, and they need to be aligned with what the organisation is aspiring to be and to do. But we know that being a leader isn't, as we said in the last episode, it's, it's not a one size fits all affair. It's, you know, you as a leader, you've got your own strategy and your own approach. And then the organisation and the, that leadership team the board or whoever are going to have who they are looking for and it's it's about how how do you align those two things and i so i think some points often when you're recruiting you're recruiting for the here and now you're not necessarily always thinking about the longer term Guess. Have I answered that question? Yeah, I think you have answered that question, Lee. And I, I guess I would just build on that a bit because it's a conversation I've had with a couple of people over on the other podcast, um, <laughs> if I may say that, um, around that kind of spot in future talent, I guess, and how how do you recruit for that? As you say, because you've got a specific role that you need to fill in your team or organisation and that's what you're recruiting for. And we've had some quite interesting conversations in that space about actually how much of it is about um, sort of technical skill and expertise and how much of it about of it is about getting a good fit, somebody with the right attitude, the right values, mm. and you can teach them the technical skill, but maybe you actually might be looking to change your recruitment focus a bit and to recruit for somebody who you know, you can see is going places and has got that appetite and that that right attitude and those right values. So I guess a lot of it also is is down to kind of the personalities as part of that recruitment exercise in terms mm. of what they're looking for and whether you are all aligned with your thinking there. But you also, I guess, need some of that challenge because equally, you don't want to end up recruiting a person that you think's got loads of potential for the future but then I can't actually do the job that you need them to do in the right now so yeah, there is always that. that balance to to try and strike isn't there so but I think that that also begs the bigger question around recruitment practice and and where responsibility for recruitment sits and I had a really interesting conversation with a chief executive who is basically saying you know operational managers are good at doing operational management things and not necessarily they're good at recruiting that isn't recruiting for values recruiting for all of those other skills they'll be better at recruiting for their areas of expertise and and I don't think organizations necessarily think of that matrix of we need skills sometimes but we need what's the fit or or the kind of what's the rest of the thing that this person will bring to this organization yeah so there's a whole other debate I think about recruitment practice (laughs) Absolutely. It could potentially be a whole other episode, couldn't it? Because as you were saying that, I was just thinking about having the opposite experience as well, where actually the recruitment processes and the way in which an organisation wants you to manage the recruitment of somebody can sometimes feel quite stifling because it's based on uh, scoring people based on their examples they give around their technical Mm. ability, for Mm. example, rather than being more values based or you being able to have that conversation about, okay, they might not have scored the highest in being able to demonstrate they can do that very practical 
task but actually in terms of fit for the team and organization they seem perfect so I think there's there is lots isn't there around that sort of recruitment practice that Mm. that needs to be explored in that sense so um so yes thank you I did think that you answered that question Lee in response to the question you asked me when I went off on a bit of a tangent but um uh, you've touched on this already in um, your sort of caveat to responding to that that first topic around recruiting leaders for the future, which is around um, not always looking to the outside to kind of do that and, and bringing in fresh. So my approach when I've built teams and I've recruited is that I don't always just focus on you know, recruiting the right person as in the role as my deputy, for example, and how I'm supporting that person and that role to grow. But I'm always got an eye on that broader team. So for example, if someone was promoted in my team or externally to my team, are there people in the team who are ready to step up? Have we prepared people to take on that next step in their career or in their leadership journey internally? Um and I guess I wonder to some extent whether that's easier to do in the context of a professional specialism. So mine would be communications rather than that broader context of perhaps an organization's leadership team. But I would just be interested in your views about how we can go about building that sort of internal pipeline of leaders who might be ready to step up into the future. I think that point you make around is it easier if you work in a specialist area, I mean, organisations are made up of specialist functions. So every every pipeline is coming from a specialist. And, and we always talk about the fact that you kind of funnel up, don't you, through your area of expertise. And I think this then demonstrates where the gap is, which is that if we invested more in the broader skills and the development of um those broader leadership skills the softer skills whatever you might want to call them if that's what we focus and deliver on it doesn't really matter whether you are nurturing them within your specialist pipeline you're getting them ready for the organization the organizational preparedness comes with it then doesn't it and so i think organizations would have more ready-made leaders that are well-rounded in the way they need them to be if they thought at an earlier stage about how do I support specialisms to to nurture specialist and generalist in, in one. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing around pipelines. I suppose the other issue is this hierarchical nature of organizations and um when you think of a pipeline you are just reinforcing i suppose that hierarchical nature because i suppose when many people are recruiting they are looking at the context and the nature of the type of leader that is needed for that particular thing usually within their team and area and even when you talk about the broader team you're still talking about it in the context of the broader team of communicators rather than the broader team of is that yeah, I, yeah. Well, no I guess in the question it was is it easier to think about it in mm. that sense rather than as an an organizational leadership team so I guess there's two elements to that question isn't there because mm. actually when you're part of a, a broader organizational leadership team how are you 
thinking about how you're growing and developing people to step into that space. But I guess the natural way of leaders stepping into a space is because someone moves on and they get a promotion. So even if you're being promoted beyond your specialism, because there's something that's seen in you that you fit into a a role that would be really good in that leadership team space that actually that's only happening because of that hierarchical structure still rather than Mm. it being Mm. yeah more more broad brush I suppose. I think there's also a snobbery though as well about progression in fields and areas and um, as much as we talk about broader skills and preparing people for broader organisation we do look down and I I know we've done this in the kind of communications field when I was working in in corporate uh, I know other professions do this as well if someone comes in from outside <laughs> there's the oh well they don't have the, the necessary skills and experience so it's like we can't have our cake and eat it yeah so how do we how do we challenge people in that space, I guess, is is the next follow on from that in terms of you can't have your cake and eat it. So you're wanting to think about um, supporting people in your own organisation to develop so that there are opportunities that open up to them. Um, but at the same time, as you've said, you know, sometimes that can feel challenging and can and feels like it's only about stepping up into the next level of role that's available to you. So I guess one of the things I was thinking about is we've talked in an episode around leadership development and what organisations can do to develop leaders. And again, I think organisations probably offer quite a lot to people from, um, um, we talk about this a lot as well, management versus leadership. My experience of organisations is they often offer a lot of management development opportunities and training and all of that kind of stuff quite early on in people's careers so people can start to get a sense for what it might be like to be a manager but actually anything that's that's happened in the leadership space in my experience has always been for people who are already at a certain level of leadership so mm-hmm. there's that mismatch there as well isn't there that you're kind of investing in in identifying managers of the future but maybe not giving people the opportunity to understand more about what it would mean to be developed as a leader so yeah, I guess, sorry, I've gone, I've answered my own question when I was asking you the question, Lee, but I guess it's about, you know, how do we get that balance and start to think about how we're growing our own and supporting and developing people in our organisations? That's got to be role modelled from the top. So you need, you need that executive board level to be looking at their deputies and how they develop their deputies, uh, recognizing that they've come up through a specialist route and given them the broader skills and and then that being a thing that is focused on at every stage and step of an organization so at any point that you're recruiting how are you testing for those broader skills that you might need in leadership and i think even when you work in a specialty area we often talk about um if you're aspiring to move into a, a more senior leadership role you're going to need to take on uh, an organizational perspective not just your specialist perspective and so the burden gets put on you to think about how do I step into that space but if we flip it the other way where's where are the leadership teams helping people to understand 
what they do in context to the bigger picture? Where are they helping them to articulate and test or try different projects that is outside of their area of expertise so that they're getting the broader leadership skills that they might be? I think even as managers of functions, we can be very protectionist of our teams and therefore we're not helping them in that preparation. And I say that as someone who probably you talk to ex-team members would say, yeah, I, I didn't know it, but I, you know, that was, I did think short term sometimes and this mm-hmm. is what we need to think. I didn't always think, particularly in my early years, uh, so much in the long-term nurturing. And I think that is the shift yeah. that needs to happen. And there's something about, yeah, creating those opportunities for stretch, isn't there, that, you, you know, might sometimes feel a bit risky for you organisationally or as a leadership team. Um, but it's not sometimes until you take those risks that you spot the opportunity and those people with potential to go beyond the immediate sphere that they're working mm. in, I guess. So on that note about spotting leadership potential and, and nurturing it, I guess, like, how do we do that and and I'm thinking about that in the context that we operate in with how to take the lead where we talk a lot about doing leadership your own way and not necessarily conforming to traditional leadership stereotypes so kind of taking that on board you know how are we spotting leadership potential that might actually I guess be different from our own style and approach to leadership Mm -hmm. If you can answer this million dollar question, you'll be being employed by everybody to spot all of their leaders for the future, Lee, as it might be a money making opportunity. Well, I think there's that thing, isn't there, around understanding where it is that you want to get to as an organisation and recognising. So, so each leader in that most senior leadership team need to know this is the I suppose the dynamic we're seeking to create in our organisation, this is where we, we need to get to. And these this is the people that we need to have around us in order to get us to that space. And, and having the willingness and the maturity, I suppose, to know that it's okay to have different different thoughts, different views, different approaches, as long as we're aligned in where we need to get to at the end yeah um as long as there's maturity around risks that we're going to take as long as there's maturity around i'm going to create a safety culture that we can speak up and challenge each other in a productive way that's um that's still respectful and kind and all of that kind of stuff but that we are being honest about what we do well where we need to grow and all of that kind of stuff so that's that's the headspace that that senior most senior leadership team needs to get and then you start to role model that down in the organization if you're you're behaving in that high performing state as a senior team then that should be how your deputies and and that next kind of tier if we talk about in hierarchical sense um i think that the problem with creating pipelines in organizations is that people look to nurture their own and they perpetuate bias and behaviours, I suppose. So that's where the self-awareness comes in and all of that. I worked in an organisation where 
we had a potential future leaders matrix where every director had to map out all their direct reports. Now, that could be really powerful if you had the right mindset and approach of that most senior leadership team. But if you don't, you've got very subjective views. You're not doing it in partnership with your deputies. You don't really understand where they want to go, where they want to develop and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so I I think there are exercises you can do, but you've got to do that work as a senior team. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely does make sense. Um, And I think there's something as well about not making assumptions in that space, Mm. isn't there? So you just talked about if you're not doing that in collaboration with those people you're identifying as future leaders, like what's the point in doing it? Like what's what's your intended outcome? And I've worked in organisations and with teams where I think I've spotted some potential future talent in that leadership space and got really overexcited about it and making all my plans for like how that person was going to be able to step up into a different position and you know be more kind of visible in that leadership space and and then I've got all overexcited and then gone and had the conversation with the individual and actually the individual's like that's not for me it's not my aspiration it's not where I want to head I'm very comfortable operating in the space that I'm operating in I don't have any desire to want to be in any sort of leadership position in the future so thanks but no thanks so there's also that element of needing to have those sorts of conversations and creating Mm. an environment where it's okay to have those Mm. conversations as well rather than making assumptions that like right I've spotted a brilliant person I'm now going to invest all my time in forcing them maybe into a space where they don't actually really want to be because then you're not actually going to get the best out of them are you so I think that awareness of other people's intention and desire for the future is also a really important part of kind of spotting and and nurturing that talent I guess. I think it's important to I suppose it all whittles down to you can't have a pipeline without awareness. So there's awareness of the individuals, as you've said, and what their individual needs are. There's awareness of your own bias and making sure that you're not creating an echo chamber, that you're creating diversity of thinking and of approach and all of that kind of stuff. But then there's also this awareness around not confusing people's desire to manage with showing leadership ability or someone's professional expertise with leadership potential because I think that can be and it it ties into some of those other conversations that we've been having of someone might be really excelling in their role but that doesn't mean they've necessarily got those broader skills that you need to to reach what it is you want to reach as an organisation. Yeah, and, and you you set them up for a fall because you put them on this pedestal. Yeah, there is that setting up for failure, isn't it? And what support do you put in place if maybe somebody is technically an expert in their field and maybe does want to move into a different type of position more in that leadership space? Like what support are you giving them to enable them to do that and learn those skills? And that maybe comes back a bit to the point around generally organisations are not very good at having leadership conversations with people until they're in a leadership position and that doesn't feel quite Mm -hmm. right because that's not helping you to spot and nurture that that potential leadership talent for the future I guess. Um, One of the things 
that you touched on when we were talking earlier is about that um, reaction sometimes, particularly when you work in perhaps a specialist field or profession of bringing new people in who maybe don't have perhaps it's sector experience. I don't know what, you know, and kind of going like, oh, that doesn't seem right because they haven't got that knowledge and skill. But hopefully they've been recruited because they've got the right values, attitude, all of that kind of stuff and and potential. And I guess there is something around being wary about your building your own internal pipeline that you don't miss out on the opportunity mm-hmm. to bring different experience and talent into your organization because you're so focused on all we want to do is grow our own because I think that can be quite dangerous as well yeah yeah completely I think that with everything there's a balance you've got to strike so you always want to be challenging your thinking your reference points are you just doing the same old same old or are you looking for something new and different and new and different can be investing in your people to explore what new and different looks like and and set them up for success in the future new and different can be bringing someone in who's going to challenge you and your thinking and the way that you work um and i I do think you need a bit of churn and a bit of fresh blood being brought in um but it's yeah what's your intention behind it so as we're talking about churn and people coming in there's a natural uh i guess uh element to the next bit of the conversation about people moving on and we have uh done an episode entirely i think about moving on as a leader and what that looks and, and feels like previously but um if we're talking about going down that route of building your own pipeline and uh, positioning your deputy, for example, to be your natural successor, or maybe not your natural successor, but have the best opportunity um, Mm. to step into that space when you move on, um, because that's why you've hopefully invested in, in that individual to do that. I guess the question I wanted to ask is if you're moving on for a positive reason, you've got a different role in that organisation, you've gained a promotion, whatever, then great. And you've identified that you've got somebody who perhaps could step up now and have that opportunity to lead. That feels really natural and like a, a good positive progression. But if you're moving on maybe for more negative reasons, because perhaps your experience as a leader in that organisation hasn't been that positive, perhaps Mm. in that leadership space that maybe your deputy is not as exposed to on a regular basis, there is perhaps a poor culture or some bad behaviours playing out. How do you manage that situation without compromising your integrity? Because there's a bit of you as a leader that's like, I've got you ready to take on my role when I move on. But there's also maybe a bit of you that feels challenged because you're like, this person's really good and am I throwing them to the wolves? Let's be really, let's just say it like that. Like, you know, what do you think in that sort of space? Oh, I think that, well, I suppose my first thought is I I think there should be no surprises. So if you're doing the nurturing work to build up your pipeline, that includes a warts and all understanding of them understanding the organisation. So it shouldn't come, there shouldn't be such a disconnect between their experience of the organisation and your 
I'm going to say your experience, but I'm also then going to talk about perception because I think this is this is the difference. I can't assume how I think and feel about an organisation and my reasons for leaving an organisation is going to be the same as my deputies. And what I feel I am willing to tackle or not willing to tackle or willing to handle or not willing to handle, that they are going to think and feel the same because hopefully I haven't created someone in the same mould as me. <laughs> So I I think there is something about we have to accept that our deputies are or whomever it is that's coming into that role are their own human being. They have their own thoughts and feelings and their own ways of responding to situations that may be similar, but they may be very different to ours. And I think if you've given them a good grounding in your role, then they're going to have an awareness of the reality of the role and of the organisation. It's their choice then what they want to do with that. And I don't think you can take on the burden of guilt or otherwise if they decide to stay or feel like you're handing over something toxic to them because, as I say, there should be no surprises. And I've been in places where I've recruited, you know, deputies with a view that at some point maybe they could be the one to to take over from me and i was preparing them and part of that preparation was about me backing away more and more from the day-to-day running of the team and being very light touch in my management approach so that they could shape the function as they wished um allowing them more access to the senior teams so that they were building that trust and relationship with them directly and, and so therefore they were experiencing similar things than, than that i would have experienced or, or understanding of the personalities um and i had various reasons for why i decided I needed to eventually leave the, the organisation. But it's always been really, really important to me that my experience wasn't the thing that influenced how they felt about their role or the organisation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, isn't it? About not wanting to overly influence somebody. Those people can uh, operate with their own individual kind of judgment and exercise their own individual choice. And it's important that actually they go into that, like you say, with no surprises, because that would be a weird dynamic to have with somebody who's yeah. a deputy or a broader senior leadership team. If actually what you're presenting to them was a totally different picture of of what your perception is of, of what's happening in the organisation. But equally, you know, they they have the right to make their decisions as an individual and you almost don't want to bias that too much with your own very personal experience of that because it will be that person's choice to make won't it hopefully they've been positioned to be potential good candidate for that role on your departure then it will be their choice to make whether they feel like they want to step into that space um, or not and and how that works for them and I I have been in that position previously where I've worked for an organization where my boss uh, left the organization and had quite a bad experience within the organization um and we had been quite close, so I'd heard quite a lot of that. And I probably had some preconceived ideas mm. about what the chief executive might be like to work with and what some of the other directors might be like to work with. And I was asked to step up and, and head up the team and be more in that leadership space. And for my own growth and stretch, I wanted to do that. But with some apprehension, I would say, because I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I'm going to have to deal with this chief executive now who's been portrayed to me to be a certain way. And actually, my experience of that individual 
individual was completely different because yeah. as you quite rightly said I was a completely different individual to um my boss who who then left so actually me building a relationship was different because of you know it is just it's unique to everybody so mm-hmm. I do think it is about individuals kind of making their own way isn't it and making their own decisions not being and- tainted by your own personal um, experience and feelings it's probably more of an emotive thing isn't it that gets yeah. transferred like you're transferring your emotions about something which probably isn't isn't a fair thing to do yeah at the, at the end of the day you should be nurturing adult to adult relationships with your team this isn't about parent child you shouldn't be seeing yourself and if you are you've got you've got work to do in your self-awareness space and all of that kind of stuff because you you shouldn't see yourself as protector of the team it should be an adult relationship yes I love that I could talk about this forever, but I'm conscious of time and the fact that our listeners have probably got other things they want to do, as well as hearing us have these uh, insightful leadership conversations. So I think that was a good note to finish that kind of last bit of the conversation on. But as always, we like to try and be a bit more action focused with our thinking and give people a sort of how to take away. So what action could people take having listened to this episode to consider how they are identifying uh, future leaders for their organisation? I think for me, it boils down to how are you focusing on the broader skills development, you know, those soft skills, whatever you want to call them. How, How are you getting your team to understand the importance of those how are you demonstrating the importance of those in the way that you work so that you're role modeling and i i think in some ways if if that becomes more of the focus you you are naturally helping the evolution and pipeline of your team because you're creating those well-rounded leaders that that you're going to need for your organization i think that's really brilliant advice and a good action and i guess the only thing i would add would be make sure you're having those conversations with the people that you are potentially spotting Mm. as leaders for the future to understand where they're coming from and what they might need in terms of that support and even if it's on their radar to want to you know want to be in that space in the future so there's definitely lots in there about kind of listening and creating the right environment so uh thank you lee i've loved having that conversation i know we could carry on having it for the rest of the day but we won't we'll let listeners get on and go about their business but i'd be uh, really interested to hear about listeners experiences so drop us a line get in touch with us on the socials and we will be back again with another episode very soon Bye. thanks for listening don't forget to hit follow to make sure you get the next episode and if today's discussion resonated please leave a review on apple podcasts We also have our Substack community where you can get behind the scenes info, ask us anything sessions and build your network with like-minded leaders. Visit howtotakethelead.substack.com to find out more. And if you want to work with us to challenge and change leadership in your organisation, get in touch by dropping us an email, howtotakethelead at gmail.com or DM us on the socials. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.